you know what? You don't have to stand. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm not going to read the scripture yet. Just turn to Mark, Mark chapter 3. But we will pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your truth with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. But we will be in Mark chapter 3. You know, amen. I want to talk to you this morning from the topic playing with a bad hand. Playing with a bad hand. The entertainment industry is a multi-billion dollar, if not trillion dollar industry. Why? I believe it's because we enjoy being entertained and fantasizing about roles and lives of those that we see on the screen. People want to escape their reality, if not before a moment, dreaming of what it would be like to be rich, to be loved, to live in a big house, to have a maid, to have a cook, Travel the world. How about not worrying about bills? Who? Eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Drive a nice car. Shop. 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 And shop. Take care of your loved ones. Buy your mother a house. Buy your father a house. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. Have you ever wished you were dealt somebody else's hand? The hand that others have been afforded. Like like what what it would have been to be like to be born into that type of quote unquote success or that way of, of living without having to go through a trial to just happen up on it, to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth. I think that's why the entertainment builds itself because when you look at entertainment, it's about fantasizing about and then painting a picture of what we want to see. And you escape for a moment your reality to enter into a fantasy. But I believe what really determines and separates the successful from the unsuccessful is how well they are play, playing the hand they've been dealt. Y'all better come on. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see how this man with a bad hand played it well. Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 says another time Jesus went into the synagogue and there was a man with a withered hand. He was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, stand forth, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. 
He looked around at them in anger and, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. We see four, four characters in this story we're going to look at briefly. Not going to be before you long, I promise. We know Jesus is there. We know, that the, we know the disciples are there. We also know, so, so five people, but we ain't going to pay too much. I, I'll deal with the disciples later. So we know we got Jesus. We got the disciples um, who aren't even really named in this encounter. But we do have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We're going we're gonna to call that the church because they represented the church. We also know there was a crowd of people there. And we know there was this man with a withered hand. Right? So first, let's let's look at the main character, because Jesus is the main character. And let's let's first look at where he is. He's in the synagogue. But it says, again he entered the synagogue. Somebody say again. See, he knew he was under attack because the last encounter at the synagogue was when they was ready to plot to kill him. He, they, he knew that the people in the church, the leaders of the church, were looking to destroy him. See, because they, they did him wrong when he was last in attendance. They called him names. They, they told lies about him. His persecution began. I'm going somewhere. I'm already preaching. But that didn't keep him. That didn't keep him from returning to the synagogue. That they didn't catch it. Because his purpose wasn't to go to church for something. He was going to church to serve. Okay? They still didn't get it. And even though he was under attack and being persecuted, he did not allow the persecution or the attack to keep him from his father's house. Okay, they still didn't get it. I, I say it like you can understand it. There is no such thing as church hurt. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say that again. That there is no such thing, maybe not for Next Level Ministries, but for those watching on the airways, uh, there is no such thing as church hurt. Now, now I know, you say, Pastor, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know the pastor raped me. The pastor did this. He, they, you know, I'm not going to say nothing. I, that, that's sin in the church. He didn't say that you couldn't get hurt by a person. I'm trying to tell you there's no such thing as church hurt because I don't care what you went through. Nobody went through as much persecution as Jesus did from his own church, but that did not keep him from going to church. Y'all better help me already. Not only that, he died for the church, he, he, he married the church, and he's coming back for a church, even though the church does him wrong. 
So why don't you just call it what you want to call it? When you say it's church hurt, it's that you have not grown up to handle the affliction that God thought he could trust you with when you went to, oh, y'all better. I, I wish you would. Because you're going to get hurt wherever you go. As long as you got to encounter people wherever you show up, that's where hurt is going to be. So I stop trying to put hurt on the church and just say you don't want to be bothered with growing up from the issues that God wants to deliver you from. He goes back into the synagogue. He's power. He has authority. He ain't worried. Somebody said he ain't scared. <laughs> he ain't scared. He, he come right back up in the house. That's what you got to do to your enemies because they don't want you in the church. You got to show up, dress up, put on your Sunday best and walk right back up in the church. Because it ain't their house. It's your father's house. Oh. So he's in his father's house. And then you got to understand this. These leaders there, and they're perched up. They're looking and they're waiting for a reason to accuse Jesus. Now, now what's amazing is the disciples aren't even mentioned. They don't even say anything. They just along for the ride. They want to see. So Jesus, I got this. But because they warned him not to go back into the synagogue. <laughs> Don't even go back in there. Okay, you're okay. Okay. I'm gonna leave that alone. But they're looking, they're looking at Jesus, waiting to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath. They 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 weren't concerned about the healing of this man or anybody else in the congregation for that matter. You know why? Because healing would disturb their income. Yeah, healing would disturb their system. If, if you heal this man, he's not going to need us no more. See, 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 you can't control people who are whole. I, I said a whole lot right there. I'm preaching up in here. You can't control people that are. It's only by law that you control people. So you got to come up with a whole bunch of regulations and rules because you got to have control. Oh, they didn't write them down on the tablet. It's, see, it sounds like this on your cell phone. Where you at? Why you over there? How long you been there? Where you going? Who you with? What they saying? How many people over there? Y'all better help me. Uh, it was half a tank of gas before you left. Now, what, what happened? I, I checked the mileage. It said we was at 10,500 miles. Why are we at 10,700 miles? It's exactly 200 miles to that chick house. Y'all better say something up in here. I'm trying. I'm trying. I got to control you by law because if you're whole. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now now here's here's the deep part of this. They could read the law, but they couldn't preach the word of freedom. But but wait a minute. 
Christ and Jesus the Word? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Wasn't God, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they're trying to have church without the Word? They want to kill the Word because the Word heals. The, the law kills. Uh, it's the spirit that gives life. The letter of the law killeth. Y'all better help me up in there. Y'all come with me. Come with me. So they want him out the church, but he's the word. Which means they were able to go ahead and study Levitical priesthood and study the Torah, but they didn't understand the new when it came because they weren't preaching about the new. <laughs> they were trying to keep them in the old because when the new showed up, he was going to disrupt their system. And they were looking to see if the word would heal on the Sabbath. The word can't do nothing but heal. So he said, listen, you got these church folks. And now let's move. Let's move because I feel my help. We about done. Let's get this deal with this crowd. Because Jesus asked the question. And it was a rhetorical question. It was a question because he knew the law and he knew they knew the law. And even though some preachers would like to preach and say that this question was geared toward the Pharisees, it was not just geared toward the Pharisees. It was geared toward the whole crowd. He, Jesus said that loud and clear because he wanted to discern where he was in this moment and who was in there. And notice what it says. They remained silent. You, you can't stand up for righteousness and be quiet. You got to open your mouth. Nobody, everybody in there knew the answer to the question. We know it's right to save a life and not to kill. That would go against the law. But nobody said anything. So, 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 so Jesus, it said Jesus got angry. He was mad at them. I love when God gets mad on my behalf. Okay, y'all missed it. Somebody say, you don't want God to get mad on my behalf. Well, in this crowd, was a man <laughs> and, and the man with the withered hand was the one who caught the attention of the word that the, the blessing wasn't for everybody the, the blessing was for the one with the withered hand let, let, me, let me tell you the word works, but it don't work for everybody. <laughs> everybody was in the room with the word. Everybody got to see the word. But the word didn't see everybody. 
Y'all better help me up in here. <laughs> the word only caught the attention of this man with the withered hand. And he told him, stand forth. Let me go ahead and interpret. I feel my help already. Let me go ahead and interpret what that when he said stand forth, it was the same instruction that he would later give Lazarus when he was in the tomb. When he told Lazarus to come forth. See, when he told the man to stand forth, he was saying, I don't want to, I understand your infirmity, but I don't you I don't want you to be afraid of your surroundings. But if you're bold enough to stand up and let everybody see that it is you with the withered hand. See, the reason why God can't heal everybody is because you're too proud to tell everybody something's wrong with you. But, but I need God to know that there's something withering in my spirit. And I need him to get the attention of y'all better help me. So, so God told him, stand forth. And when he said stand forth, as soon as the man stood up, is when the man received his healing. I'm trying to help you. As soon as he, I said, I don't know what y'all came to do, but, but I come to give my God some glory. And if he's going to get glorified from my infirmity, then I'll stand up because I'm pretty sure he wasn't the only one in that room that had a withered hand. And I'm trying to tell you next level, you ain't the only one that's got something withered. It's everybody on, look on your road, say, I know you got something withering in you too. And if you're bold enough to stand forth, woo, you can't be ashamed. So, so he said, listen, I need you to stand forth. And, and I love it because that is a call. Somebody say that's a call. Romans 8.30 said, whom he did predestine, them he also called. Oh my God. And, and who he called in 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9, he said he saved us with a holy calling. See, the callings of God are high, holy, and heavenly. Catch that. Catch that. The callings of God are high, holy, and heavenly. So when God told him to stand forth, he said, man, you are separate from the crowd. Because holy means to be separated, set apart for God's righteous use. Not only was he holy, it was a high calling because he had to stand up in the midst of everybody who was still sitting down. Don't be afraid to stand above even when you're broken. You got to be somebody in the crowd has to rise above the other people's level who still want to stay on that level. But last time I checked on the door on the pulpit, it said next level. If you want to be at your next level, you got to be willing to stand up above your last level. You got to be willing to move beyond where you are to get to where God has. And if you're broken enough and you had enough, you won't be ashamed to stand up and Say it's I, Lord, who stand in the need of prayer. So that man stood up. And the Bible says he, he had a withered hand. Now this word withered means to become dry 
and shriveled up from lack of moisture to lose vitality force to make speechless or incapable of action. It, it means that something in his life had begun to dry up. Something had begun to lose its ability to move. Help me up in here, Christian. I'm preaching already. He, he, he lost his vitality. He, he had no force. And he wasn't able to speak. Because when stuff starts withering up, I know the first sign of something withering up in your life is you don't say what you used to say. Your language begins to dry up. Your praise begins to dry up. Your hallelujah don't quite sound the same. Y'all better help me up in here. He was withering, but there was nothing wrong with his other arm. There was nothing wrong with his legs. There was nothing wrong with his eyes. There was nothing wrong with his nose. There was nothing wrong with his belly button. There was nothing wrong with it. God said, I don't care what's broken in your life. Everything ain't broken. Whatever you got, work with what you got until he fixes what. Y'all better help me. It ain't like he left you with nothing. You still got something. If you can wave one arm, I can't wave two, but I got one. If I can't but clap, if I can't but shake, I can do something. Y'all better help me up in here. And the Bible says, if you go look at it in Luke chapter 6, it says it was his right hand. Oh, my God. Now, the hand is the most frequent, symbolized part of the human body. It gives blessings. It is expressive. The hand is the tool of tools. It's how you give generosity, hospitality, stability. And the right hand is represented by the right hand of God, which means it's mighty. It's powerful. The right is always significant of power. That's why the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is God's right hand. Oh my God, I'm about to help you right here. It says that his hand, and Luke tells us, he said that it was his right hand that was withered. And I said, oh, come on, theology class. I said, why did he tell us that in Luke? But he didn't tell us that in Mark. It's because Luke was a physician. And Mark wanted to get us across kingship. So Luke was paying very close attention to which hand was withered. Y'all better help me. I, I can even digress just a little further and say that I've if this man had this problem for quite a while, he had seen some physicians in his day. And I'm pretty sure Luke being the top physician that he went to Luke and he probably was one of Luke's patients. I'm preaching up in here. He lost power. He's drying up. You can't move it. You got a bad hand. <laughs> did, did, did you catch it? it, it but, but the wither up means he, he lost moisture. But what lost moisture not only caught the attention of the word, but it also caught the attention of the well. Can nothing stay dry when you encounter a well? He said the water, 
that I have. You'll never thirst again. It's living water. Whatever it touches, though it were dead, it'll come back to life. Isaiah 58, 11 says it like this. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a water garden, like a spring whose water never runs dry. I'm preaching up in here. I thank God that he not only showed up right on time so that the word can catch its attention of my affliction, but he had the water to heal what was wrong with me. Jesus is the answer to your dilemma. The question I want to ask you is do you know how to play with a bad hand? You ain't going to say nothing. You got to know that if whatever hand you've been dealt, God knew from the foundation of the world what you would have. You didn't get to choose your father. You didn't get to choose the sperm that would be shot into the mother's womb. You didn't get to choose the womb you would spend nine months in. You didn't get to choose where you would live, whether that was Edgewood or the Topwood. You didn't get to choose, but God said, I chose you. I called you. I ordained you. I picked you out. And I know everything that's going to happen in your life. Don't complain about the hand that you've been dealt. Play that hand. Play it like it's the last hand. Know how to fold them and how... Y'all better help me. So, so I gave everybody a card. Hallelujah. Y'all know I like illustrations. Y'all know I like illustrations. Come here, Charles. Come here, Charles, because I need somebody that knows how to play speeds. And I know he know how to play spades because his mama taught me how to play spades. Yeah. So, so take them cards. Now, I want you to look at them cards. Y'all better, we, we, we about to have church up in here. I'm about, to, I'm about to blow you. Everybody in here has a card. So I need you to look at that hand that you've been dealt. Now, now here's what a real, if he's a true, true spade player. And I say to him, hey, some of y'all don't understand speed, but you go back and study it later. I ain't got that much time to go ahead and give you the whole dissertation of how to play spades, but just know spades are spades. The trumps are the high cards, yes, and everything else is low, and every player, there's four players, and everybody gets 13 cards. We're not playing, we're playing straight spades. We ain't playing to a diamond. Y'all better help me up in here, and we ain't playing jokers. We're just playing straight spades, you understand? Straight books. So, so what happens is, I, I gave Charles a hand, and I said to him, Charles, how many books you got? And a true spade player is going to say what he got one but it's a one say 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 he got, he got a possible god better what i did is i gave everybody a card i gave everybody a card but i know the hand i gave charles because i'm god and I looked at the cards before I gave it to him and I knew I was going to use him because I know he can play the hand I gave him y'all better help me and I knew I didn't give him any spades because there ain't no spades left 
I know he has nothing but other cards, but he has a high card, and that would be a possible. Look at your neighbor and say, I got a possible, because you ain't got nothing that can beat a spade, but hopefully your other players don't got any cards to beat you. So I say to him, and when I say, oh, you got a possible, I said, okay, are we going to go a 10 and he's going to look at me like how in the world are you going to go a 10 when I only got a possible and I say to him don't worry about it I got this God is trying to tell you you don't need a best hand all he gave you in the beginning was a possible all you got is a possible but with God all things are possible and all I need is for you to play and every card the devil plays, I'm going to play a spade. 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 And every book, y'all better help me. The game is fixed. God already got all the spades. All you got to do is play the hand. You've been dealt. Give God some break. Now you can go back to your seat. A winner. Somebody say, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I don't care what I got. If I got a three, if I got a heart, if I ain't got nothing, God got it all. God, the Bible says that when the man came to him, he said, God, if you can do anything that help my son, God said, no, not anything. I can do all things. All things are possible. If you believe, all you got to do is believe with what you got in your hand. Tap your neighbor and say, you are possible. That's why God let you come here. That's why God let you breathe, because you are possible. When they said it was impossible, I am a possible. When they said you wasn't gonna make it out the surgery, you went in a possible. When they said you wasn't married, wasn't gonna make it, you got married a possible. When you went to the job, you said it's impossible. God opens up doors that no man can shut, shuts doors that no man can. You better believe all God need is a possible, because without God, we are nothing. Well, so every time you get in a fix and every time you want to start down, you pull that card out and you look at it and say, uh-huh, possible. Give God praise for his word, amen. If you receive it, give him praise. And for all those online, I'm, I'm glad we're serving a church. I'm glad we're in a church where we don't get stuck on legalism. Because you can have some people say, oh my God, he playing spades up in the church. Well, they rolled dice for a disciple. For the Lord our God is mighty, 
So don't get all caught up in legalism where you, because I know, you know, when we go to a party, you understand? So next time, you know, Charles, when you have us over and you have the devil eggs and, and everything right, don't you come, you better break out them cards, because I know there be some speed games going on. <laughs> Help me up in here. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you've given us everything we need. Where we thought it was impossible. That's why God puts us in impossible situations. That's why he waited for Sarah to be 99. Ooh, and Abraham to be 100 before they had their first child. The problem, he said, he said is, is it possible? Is it? I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. That's when you know you with God. That's when you know God is on the other side. When you when you scared to play the play the hand you dealt, and He just make it happen, and you wondering how the heck did we get that book? Woo! How the heck did we get that house? We ain't got enough money for that house. How did we get that? We ain't got no money. How is God working stuff out that we don't have any way? We gotta know is God on the other side of the table saying you my partner. That's what He did when He told the man to stretch forth. He says, stretch forth. In other words, I want you to partner with me. I'm not asking you. And, and here's the thing. I'm so glad I didn't forget this part. When the man stood up, it wasn't just enough to stand up. He had to stretch out. He had to stretch out what was broken. Yeah. See, stretching, I know a lot about stretching. I've been doing a lot of it this last week because I have some back pain that is unbearable. You understand? I told my wife, I said, it's like, it feels like a, a woman's monthly in my back. That's, that's the pain I got going on in my back. So I, I'm stretching. And anybody that goes to therapy and when they stretch you, they, they, they stretch you until you say it hurts. And when you say it hurts, then they stretch you a little. Because you ain't stretched until it hurts. Y'all missed it. See, see, you can't grow if you keep going up to the point of pain and backing up. That's why people don't get healed, because you have to be willing to go past the pain. Everybody, everybody, come on, come on, tonight. So stop telling God what you can't take. It's too much. He said, I've never put more on you than you can bear. When you start saying, he'll, he'll pull it. And the reason he's stretching it is because he wants to put more in it. He's making room. So Father, stretch us. You gave us big vision with withered hands. Heal our hands so that we could touch the community, touch the nation. Touch the world. Stretch us. And we thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. As we go and leave this place, we don't leave your presence. But we leave energized by your spirit. Knowing that with you all things are possible. 
remove doubt, remove fear, and give us the courage to do what it is you've called us to do and to be who you've called us to be. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, grace and peace.